Storygram Network. Hosting for this podcast is generously provided by Transistor at Transistor.fm. Hi, my name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. So it's not about food, and it's not about weight. What is it about? Everything else. Because it's never, ever about food or weight. Never, ever. Not even. One time. Not ever. Ever, ever. Hello, everyone. This is Laura Lee Rourke from It's Not About Food podcast. Today is a great day. We're going to talk about observation. And the front of the card is the goddess is sitting with a pen and paper. And the deer is just looking over the paper like, what are you writing there, girl? Anyway, it's a very relaxing and open. It's beautiful colors and stuff like that. Looking at the card, we can remind ourselves that we don't have to be scared of observation. (laughs) We don't have to be scared of looking at ourselves or our behaviors or anything because they're already there anyways. So observation is the ability to observe and question our behaviors. When we can do this with a sense of detachment, curiosity, and no judgment, like a scientist, we can then be safe enough to see our true behaviors. Only by seeing ourselves as clearly and honestly as possible can we start to understand our behaviors. And this is the whole key of whatever recovery you want to be in, a recovery from a bad breakup or a recovery from an eating disorder or body hatred or drugs or alcohol, cigarettes, whatever. There's a place that you have to get to where, wow, what am I doing? And what do I need to do? And how did I get here in this hole? So forever... I was very afraid to look at this because I had such judgment about myself. I would just go into shame. And when I learned that, oh, just to observe, that observer part of me has no judgment, no right or wrong, just it is what it is. When I was able to do that, I was able to step back and see what I was doing. And then if needed, I could correct it. I could learn and I could do something else. This was a huge part of my recovery. And I like the idea of being a scientist. What if I add this and add this, like I add food, like potato chips that I think is a binging food, and I add stress, will it blow up in my face? Or is it, well, there's stress and then there's potato chips and they don't have to blow up. There are just two things going on. And that was a huge breathing out for that. It's not black and white. If you do this, the only way that can turn out is bad. (laughs) No, it's a lesson. So today I'm so grateful for Deb being here. And we're going to talk about observation and what she's doing in the world on the other side of the country for me. And thank you very much for being here today. And I'm going to turn it over to her to just say whatever she'd like to say. Thank you, Laura Lee. Deb Malkin, and I'm a longtime fat activist. I'm a body worker, and now I work as a pain recovery coach 
And that is observation is one of my most favorite tools to get into. Helping people experience their felt sense of their thoughts and how that creates fear and pain, keeps our neural pathways engaged in like using pain as a protection. Yeah, of course. So I love what you said about how you felt the shame in your body. And that's exactly the same way that our body processes and experiences chronic pain. Yeah. And added bonus round for me personally, and a lot of people I work with, if they have pain, there's something wrong with them that they did this to themselves. I shouldn't have done blah, 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 blah. So they blame themselves. This is pain. You have a body, owie, something hurts. Let's drop the idea that this is punishment for you for sitting wrong or whatever. And yeah, if you can step back and observe. And I would imagine if you're working with people's pain, it's very important to go into that, to go into that pain and see what it needs or what it wants. I think it's interesting how understanding how the brain makes meaning of sensations. And I'm not going to go off into too much, but in terms of when I think about observation, one of the roles of observation is about creating that space for non-judgment, like creating that embodied experience of breaking up the space between our thoughts and our feelings and then the, and any judgment, right? Yeah. So judgment is like an action that are, that we then take like a mental action that then we take based on a feeling that arises in our body. So one of these things, and it's just, and it becomes habitual. However, we received those messages from society, from our family, from culture, they get repeated and repeated. They become encoded as a neural pathway that like we've traveled down a lot. So there can be a lot of not room in between having a thought or an experience and then the process of judgment. Creating this strong observer is important, is like a neutralizing agent, right? I don't know if that's baking soda or baking powder. I like to think of it as like (laughs) sprinkling in some neutralizing agent so that we don't get swept away in the pain of self-judgment that we can just experience watching ourselves be judgmental. So it's not even about rejecting being judgmental, but it's about learning to observe it and look at our patterns and then decide what we want to keep, what we want to let go of, and then practice moving ourselves in that new direction. I'm a dork and like a theater kid. So I like to think of my scientist or observer as like a lazy detective because sometimes when we're in a fixing mode like when we want things to change we can create a lot of energy and action around change but if we are maybe reactive if we're like in a hurry that's a message to our nervous system that we're not okay even though we want to like get someplace better It's kind of saying where you are right now is not okay. Whatever it is, you have to leave. Like your house is on fire, run. Is our house on fire? 
Or do we just think it's on fire? If your house is actually on fire, please run. There are times when immediate and quick and swift action is very important. It's part of our survival system. But sometimes we think things are on fire when they're not because we don't like how it feels to be here in this body, to be here in this life, to be here in this moment. And so we can still want change, but how we approach seeking change is how it communicates to our nervous system. And that goes into reinforcing or not reinforcing that kind of pain, fear cycle. So I have this little lazy detective in me who's like hanging back, got a little fancy beret, smoking a cigarette and just noticing with delight. Like when I do something that triggers myself or when I like read something and have a feeling that pops up and it's just like taking notes so I can like go review them later and in a way where they're not scrutinizing me with a magnifying glass. That's really important because we can use words and concepts, but how we use them and employ them, we're either creating fire or we're creating peace. And so that's important. And the imagery is going to be different for everybody. Like peaceful sitting in a field writing is not relaxing to me. <laughs> Which I like, I love the, I love this image, but I would basically be like, oh, this ground is uncomfortable. Uh, oh, I'm this deer, like I just read this, looked at this and I was like, I love that we get to take this beautiful idea and then embody it in the way that like we get to experience it. That's my observer who lives in me. I like to share that with my clients, but I find like we all have a different observer and we can have multiple ones too. For sure. With it. Yeah. And I love the idea of this lazy detective. I think of it as just the facts, ma'am. Just no attachment to whatever. I just want to see or feel what's really going on. Because like you said, is the house on fire or do I just want some excitement in my life? So I'm going to make a fire or what's going on with me? This is a deep subject. Of course, pain in the body is, we just wanted to stop. And we're a druggy country. So give me a pill. I don't want to listen to the lesson or whatever. I don't want to be dealing with that forever. Two weeks is too long or whatever. So what I feel like what you're asking people to do is just be in your body and be okay with it and learn and listen to it. What a wonderful thing, especially as a health at every size backup. And how do you work with people's pain? It might be emotional pain or heart sick pain, but they put it on their body. They put it on their back. My mother's name was Edith. So I have Edith sitting in the middle of my neck at all times. She can try to run the show or I can just say, hi, there you are, Edith. How do you help people through that emotional pain of living in a society who doesn't really like them very much. One, I validate their experience, right? That it is difficult to feel okay when all the messages that you get are that you're not okay. And that all the things that are going wrong in your body are your fault, right? Yeah. But I also know in my own experience as a fat person that my knee pain went away overnight by learning this material. So I'm in full belief of the 
relationship between the body and the mind. And I come from doctors and other therapists who are working in this field of like mind-body medicine, tension myositis syndrome, Dr. Sarno, like all of that work. What I am excited to bring to it is also this framework, living in a fat body and being a body worker, working on fat bodies for the last seven years as well. Having a lot of familiarity with a variety of different bodies and helping people see their own resilience, see their own story about how bodies heal and then having to change a relationship with having to reject a narrative that doesn't fit them. Like it's important to reject a narrative that fat bodies are unhealthy. Yes. It's important to reject a narrative that says fat people don't deserve to exist or that fat people can't be happy or that fat people can't be healthy or, and also even to reject the idea that there's something wrong with being in pain. Yeah. Or that there's something that you don't deserve to live if you're in pain or if you're disabled or any of these things. But there is also the way in which we engage in rejecting that then we can be feeling that on the inside of ourselves. And that is what I help people explore in themselves because there's lots of things that people can say about me that wouldn't bother me at all. So if somebody said, made a comment about my hair and they didn't like it and they were like, people with pink hair should die. (laughs) I would be like, they should go on an airplane. Yeah. I would be like, that's an interesting point of view. Thank you for your opinion. Sometimes when we have a shred of also the belief that maybe what they're saying is true and people receive this information from their doctors. I had an x-ray and a scan that said I had osteoarthritis in my knee and there was a lot of fear and catastrophizing that was happening around the pain and then through understanding pain differently, my pain went away. Now I'm sure if I got an x-ray, my knee would look exactly the same, or maybe it would even look worse. There's a lot of baggage that fat people have to like decode and look through. And it's hard when we have to even resist all of these messages and then we don't have anything else to believe. So I help people build their belief bank about their bodies, about the wellness of themselves. And that changes their pain experience. We find the neural pathways towards no pain. We change their relationship to sensations that are happening in your body because our relationship to sensations, there's all the different messages go into what we think about what's happening on the inside of us. When we change that part, we may be not changing the sensory information, but when we change the other information that's coming in, then we change the experience of it. And then we build on that. And also I get to see people in their bodies and say, like, I'm happy that you're here. Yes. Nothing wrong with you. Storygram Network. Welcome to One Media, One Media. I'm... It's a place I like to call The Bleed. My name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. Rich flavor is one of your favorites. You'll want to join me on the wine road. 
The art of being yay isn't just something he developed. Storygram Network. As you're talking about our joint aches or our pains or whatever in our bodies, and if you go to a orthopedic surgeon, their job is, let's take that knee out and give you another knee. Because that's their job. That's what they do. And it's weird to ask them to come up with an acceptance of the pain and then maybe work to body, mind, and spirit, go through whatever you need to. And I'm not saying that some people, that it's bad if some people get it, whatever, that's their decision. But make it from a place of power of there's a lot of things I can do. That's just one thing one tool in the toolbox. But I can tell you as somebody who used to run, which I loved so much, and I'm built like a runner and I was a runner in high school. But as I went through my eating disorder, my anorexia in my teens and my twenties, and even into my thirties, I ran unresponsibly. I ran through the pain. I did not take care of my knees or my body. I wanted to be thin, and that's how I did it. So I would eat very little. I would not take care of my body at all, and then I would force it to run and run. I live in Northern California with beautiful areas to run in, but I would run up and down hills, just pounding those knees. So when, oh my goodness, what a surprise, they both blew out. And I was very thin. I was anorexic, very thin. And the doctor said, I think you just stop running and start walking and you'll be okay. So my eating disorder then went to overeating and really binging a lot. And I put weight on. My knees were still hurting. I went back to the different doctor. They said, oh, if you lose weight, I think your knee will stop hurting. I was like, you know, I just was at the smallest weight that I can be and still be alive and they were hurting. So I think this is not the problem. Wait, (laughs) I think it's something else. I am not taking care of myself. Why don't you ask me that? Anyway, long story short, got recovery, went to what I call my natural size, because it pretty much stays like this. Of course, up and down as the years go by, whatever, things that happen to me, but this seems to be it with my own little exercise program and my own little intuitive eating and trying to take care of myself emotionally. So this must be it because here it stays. And of course, my knees are hurting. I'm this much older. I'm almost 70. And there is not a doctor that I don't go to that says, we need to give you a knee replacement. So I have been, yeah, no, I don't need to cut my leg in half. I don't think that's not what I'm getting from my body. I've been doing what you're saying that you lead your clients to. I wish you were on the West Coast. I'd go to you every day. But somehow there's something that I need to do here that's bigger and more important than just getting a titanium leg and all the things that might go wrong about that. Can I offer you a suggestion? Yes, of course. So when you are doing activities that you enjoy like walking, if you like walking, and you're also feeling pain, what I suggest to people is to invite in like a positive somatic experience. So that might be with your other senses, right? So while you're walking, look around, 
I have developed a love affair with clouds. So I had a massive anxiety flare this summer, like the worst I've ever had in my life. Thought I was dying at different points and got things checked out. And I was like, oh no, it's just stress. Okay, great. Because we're like in a pandemic. There's lots of things that are happening and it makes sense that this was my experience of it. Also important to go to the doctor. So it's not either or. Knee replacement surgery might be completely appropriate for somebody. But isn't it fun to see if like you can change your pain with your mind? So invite in when you're walking. Sometimes what happens is when we feel an unpleasant sensation, we pay a lot of attention to it. And then we're wiring our neural pathway to associate walking with this pain. Yes. And we're often always scanning for it. Sometimes the process of scanning creates a sensation of danger and fear. Then we don't know if we should walk, what we should be doing, if we're going to create damage or any of these things. So if we just have an idea that we are robust, that we can take a walk, a gentle walk, and then invite in something pleasant or lovely. If you're looking at the clouds or a tree or seeing all the colors of green that there are, or listening to a song that you love, and then take those pleasant sensations and just like lovingly place them around the part that hurts. Oh, Not to like get rid of the pain, but to be like, I'm bringing you something, like I'm bringing you a gift. And because the inviting in sensory information communicates safety to your nervous system. Because like basically the brain is like a meatball in a box. All it can do is use its senses to know what is happening in the world around it. Because we're wired for survival, we pay extra attention to things that are dangerous. Yes. So a pain signal is dangerous. We have to pay attention to it. But the pain signal doesn't mean damage. We have to invite the pleasant or pleasurable sensations on purpose to the party. Because otherwise the brain just wants to focus on what's dangerous because that's what it thinks is going to keep you alive. Add those extra invitations and bring those in and invite them to the nervous system. And then oftentimes people pain changes. If the pain moves, if it changes position, if it moves from one leg to the other leg, all of that is evidence that this pain, that there's nothing wrong. And then we build on that. So we build that observer, right? So that's where the lazy detective comes in. When you invite in looking at a beautiful tree, how does that change? Are you even paying attention to the pain? Maybe the pain is gone. So the lazy detective is always there noticing. And then if the pain is gone, then you're like, what does that mean about my knee? Yeah. What is up with my knee? Nothing's wrong with my knee. That's why I love things like EFT because... When you're like paying loop to loop to loop in your brain, this meatball in a box, which I'm going to totally steal that. <laughs> I even wrote it down, meatball in a box, because I can understand that. But when we loop to loop to loop, ow, 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 this is wrong, this is wrong. Instead of my knee really hurts, but I'm still a rock star. My knee really hurts and I love myself and my knee really hurts and I wonder what that's about. So it's like what you're saying, give it support, give it love, give it compassion, give it a beautiful tree and a cloud to think about. And I would even say like, you don't, you can even let go of my knee really hurts. 
You can let go of that sentence without forcing it out. Yeah. What happens with EFT is it changes. So you'll start with my knee really hurts. I still love myself. We'll turn into my body really hurts. I still love myself. We'll turn into I'm really sad and I still love myself and I'm really scared and I still love myself. So you just follow where it goes. I like that. With backing it up, like saying what's true in the moment and then backing it up with, and I got you and I'm here for you. I love you. I'm sorry. I'm, you know, I'm still like the most awesome thing in the whole wide world for me. So it doesn't have to say stuck is what I'm saying. And it sounds like that's what happens with you is that it's so beautiful. And then when you add bonus round on the health at every size, or it's okay to be whatever size or shape or body you're in. This is a wonderful gift, this body that we have. Why don't we just, what can I do with it? It's so much better than it needs to be different. I love the two that you've put together. It's fabulous. And I love what you're saying about EFT, which is we start with what is. Yeah. That kind of self-acknowledgement is so important to start with. Because when we're in resistance to what is, we're just in resistance. And then we feel that on the inside. That's right. And that's what gets worse. That feels, to me, that's what makes the pain, is then having to resist that. I'm not going to look at that anymore. I'm not going to observe that anymore. So you have a little platform here. Is there anything you're working on that you want to put out into the universe, into the world? I have an Instagram where called Move With Deb that uh, I post a lot of different stuff and that's my main platform. And then I have an eight week pain recovery program that I offer. And that has about four weeks of these self-led videos and like about neuroscience and about all this pain stuff. So the relationship between the brain and the nervous system and emotions and thoughts. And there's eight weeks of one-on-one coaching. So we have fun conversations about it. And the results that I'm getting with my clients are amazing. So I've had one client had 20 years of migraines that are gone in three weeks. Another client who had very intense back pain on pain scale, eight or seven or eight all the time, which is down to a two. I have another client who's on like disability, but now is walking two miles a day. And obviously like, I'm never telling people like you should be doing any particular physical activity. These are self-directed. These are based on their desires, but yeah, people are getting themselves out of pain. So it's really amazing. So you're obviously being able to do that on Zoom. Yeah, it's all remote. It's all on Zoom. And it's amazing. I even just put up some video testimonials, which are going to go up on my website. And one of the clients I was working with is a movement teacher. And I said, it's so amazing without doing any physical work can create such a change in people's physical experience. I understand that like this may not make sense to people, but it makes sense to me. And I am getting very skilled at helping people through this process. And what I find is then people want to move. So if movement has been an obstacle or an area that has had a lot of high emotion or conflict or issues, what I find is when people feel better, they want to do more. That's right. You want to take yourself out. You're all that. So let's go somewhere. Yeah. You know, it's so funny. We're talking about this, not funny, ha, but funny, weird, is that last year before COVID happened, last 
October, not this just past one, but the one before. I had wanted to go to the Camino to do that walk for so long. And I kept putting it off or having a reason why I couldn't do it or whatever. Anyway, I finally just, I'm doing it. I'm not getting any younger. I'm not going to wait for whatever. And I went and, you know, I was doing something that was so close to my spirit and my heart that was I tired at the end of every day? Yes, I was so tired. Was I in a lot of pain? Not really. Not really. There was aches and pains and stuff, but I have a body, so whatever. But I was able to do it with this knee and this other knee, with these legs, I was able to do it. And I met a lot of people on the path said exactly the same thing. Oh, my doctor thought I should have never blah, 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 blah. And here I am. It was so exactly that. You know, they loved themselves. They were taking themselves for a walk. That's how I felt like it about for me. Yeah, a walk that had a lot of meaning. So much. And a lot of connection to spirit and to self. That's really powerful. That's on my bucket list. So I'm excited. You will love it. You will love it. And you meet the best people in the world in the town where you end up, San Sebastian. is. If I could figure out a way to live there, I would do that in a minute. Anyway, it's not my path right now, but it might be. Maybe in my 80s I spend there. I don't know. Anyway, I'm so pleased that you were here today. I'm wondering if you will read this last part of the card. Today, I will practice observing my thoughts, feelings, and behaviors with a sense of detachment and curiosity. When I find myself doing a behavior I dislike, instead of judging myself, I will say, isn't this interesting? (laughs) What is my experience now? Isn't this interesting? Yeah. And even how we say that, I think, matters, right? Like we can say that in a way where we're delighting ourselves with the question. That's what I find helpful to meet my self-inquiry with a sense of delight. Yeah. If we say it like as an opening and a compassionate and supportive, isn't that interesting that happened? as opposed to a WTF, which shuts <laughs> everything down. <laughs> I mean, even a good WTF, at least if you get delighted by like your own whatevers, that in of itself is great too. I think humor and compassion being behind it is the key. So I love your pink hair. I think you're great. And I'm so grateful for you being with us today. And I'm so glad I found you on Facebook. Oh, I'm so glad you found me too. I'm so happy to have been found by you. (laughs) Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. You can find me on all the social medias at It's Not About Food. And if you would like to get the show a week early and ad-free, You can become a member at Patreon. Search It's Not About Food Podcast. Thanks so much.